Welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast, your dose for the ears of 20 minutes or so of thoughts of matters of importance around the hotel investment space and uh, matters to do with allied sectors. Uh, you've joined the pair of us, me, Chris Bound, the editor at Hotel Analyst, and Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, as we sit around the desk of Insight and chew over what comes across our desk. And the first thing we're thinking about this week is the exciting news is it news? Is it speculation? We're not quite sure that maybe there might be a, uh, a big merger takeover deal in the hotel sector with Choice Hotels uh, possibly taking a look at um, combining itself with Wyndham Hotels. Um, this was uh, reported by the Wall Street Journal and then there's been little more to substantiate it but never mind it's looking like a potentially exciting and potentially massive deal which could create a, uh, a real monster um, with around uh, close, close to a million rooms um, and a big dominant position in the US economy franchised hotel space as well as a significant international business so Andrew has this one got legs does it feel like it might be real well it was an odd one and I have to say as somebody who has worked on uh, at you know national papers before it's quite strange um, I wouldn't have normally expected a story like this to have got past the news editor um, um, it, it doesn't seem to be based on anything very concrete um, there's probably there's always discussions and there's always people running around sort of suggesting x or y might happen but it's, it, it's one thing to have had some sort of chats and then quite another for it to have been a serious chat and the wall street journal seemed to row, you know row back on this story quite early on in the same day in fact um so uh, it, it, it it's a, it's an odd one to have seen the light of day but 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 the fact that you know we are talking about choice buying Wyndham, i think it's quite interesting and as you say chris exciting um i don't think it's something that's that's real as in likely to happen imminently but i think what is real is that we are going to see quite a bit of m a as this as we get into this recovery and we get into this cycle um and perhaps more m a than we have seen historically and i think there is certainly appetite out there um to conduct um these big deals so um i think what's got to happen is we've got to see a little bit more stability in terms of the financial markets um you know we need to be the in a position where it's clear inflation is at least sort of under control um i don't think we're going to get back to inflation at the the target rates for banks i think but long as we we can perceive it being under control and it's back to sort of you know mid single digits and you know in the us it's there now so i think the us is going to lead the way and it's not surprising that the first big bit of MA discussion is is over in over in the uh, US rather than Europe where inflation notably in the UK is proving a lot stickier um, so what's exciting about this is that um, I think investors and we're talking about the broader you know overall um, investment market here not just for hotels but for um, all asset classes um, I think we are in an usually uh, benign and attractive position actually in terms of uh, both um, hotel brand companies 
and hotel asset companies um, so and um, I dug out an article um, well, a, a re report that Goldman Sachs published just over a year ago um, and this was part of their strategy department and uh, it, it it was uh, titled the postmodern cycle and the you know they were talking about where we are in terms of different business cycles and it sort of did pre um, global financial crisis it did post fun uh, global financial crisis and it then had this one which is postmodern which is kind of post pandemic lockdown um, cycle um, and what they were arguing is and i would largely agree with much of what they're saying um, is that this is different in that uh, um, we're moving from I mean clearly we're moving from a period of disinflation to a period of inflation um, and what is needed in this period is uh, asset diversification and ex um, real asset exposure is a real benefit here so they're suggesting that you know not necessarily equity investment but in particular real assets and um, perhaps counterintuitively uh, real estate makes a lot of sense in this environment and I say counterintuitively because obviously there's a big hit to real estate investment right now because of this rising interest rate environment so that's going to hit values um, and you know value increases has been one of the big drivers of returns in real estate investment well that period I think we're going to have a reset but once that's done I think you know the, the attractiveness of investing in in real estate is going to go up and in particular it is going to be uh, very favorable for those real estate um, asset classes like hospitality um, which are looking pretty attractive um, you know in, in a more inflationary environment um, hospitality real estate you know you have the opportunities a cliche but you set the rates every night and there's this opportunity for repricing far more than in more established real estate asset classes and I think we're, we're heading for a period of outperformance there but not just real estate um, in hospitality but also in in, in terms of the capital light um, asset light um, global brand majors um, one of the things uh, Goldman's talked about was that these capital light industries have outperformed more capital intensive peers um, over the last few decades now there is a with the reset there's a chance that this will sort of slow down the outperformance but nonetheless um you know the asset light hotel companies are very well positioned i think and goldman's talk about companies that are dividend compounders um, those that have a stable and sustainable real income stream and clearly the global um hotel brand majors have proven that they have a stable and sustainable real income stream you know they've had the worst crisis we've ever had in our sector and yet many of them didn't even lose money during this period an incredibly strong performance during the, the this very traumatic period and they've come out of it um, gangbusters so I think you know this is a very um, interesting and attractive um, cycle for our sector now we're going to have a, a think about getting down to the spa um, it, spas are kind of an add-on for many hotels um, for a few they are an integral part of the the whole business um, they need to be done well to deliver decent profits and of course we're all getting used to them once more after having been through a period when it was not the done thing to uh, be 
be touched by anybody or indeed be close to anybody else because of what they might be passing on to you um uh, so we've taken a look at what's going on in and around the spa business of hotels um this it's an area where it's the, the hotel big hotel groups are still struggling to digitize the upselling of uh, of spa opportunities uh, but that is coming through in various forms and we've also had a uh, taking of the temperature of the uh, of the wellness uh, part of hotels uh, by RLA Global with their latest uh, annual wellness real estate report um, and unsurprisingly it's still a case that uh, you've got to do it right to really deliver some decent returns uh, a half-hearted effort is something that might look good on the uh, to, to the the brand managers but doesn't necessarily deliver you a great return yeah i think one thing is that where we are with spas right now um you know they've got past that thing that of is it a thing or not it clearly is a thing and it's not just a short-term trend um and what they've shown is that they can keep growing even as the economic mood music changes because historically you know spas are lovely little add-on when things are going great guns but it's the first thing that gets the chop um as things uh, get tougher um they've passed this test they've got through this um and when they're handled properly as you suggest chris they can really add some value now i dug into something which is um now again uh, rather like we've just been discussing in terms of where we are in the business cycle um where we are in terms of the change that's going on in the economy and in particular something we we talk a lot about which is the growth of the experience economy and one of the sort of pioneers one of the people who defined what the experience economy is joe pine um i dug out one of his articles um <clears throat> and this looked at uh, um he identified two things um which is driving um change towards experiences one is um what he described as the implosion of traditional marketing approaches um which he attributed to um, an increasingly sophisticated consumer the other thing um which you're about to go on and talk about which is the rise of digital technologies but let's just focus on this traditional marketing approach um and why um you know the, the, what spas deliver is is so important um so what pine talks about is goods and services are no longer enough they are everywhere increasingly becoming commoditized what customers whether consumers or businesses want today are experiences memorable memorable events that engage each individual in an inherently personal way um and the example he gives is is one that is often given is is what goes on with coffee um and he points to look he says look the you know the price of the raw materials in coffee the commodity element is you know two or three cents um it says um when they're roasted and ground and packaged up it's then they become goods and it gets to sort of 10 to 20 cents this is per cup and then you've got the service element coming in um, which is the brewing and then um, um, depending on whether it's in a cafe or a vending machine this could be 50 cents to 150 cents um, but he says the real value add is when you create the theater and ambience of a starbucks and this is when you can get up to the sort of five dollars per cup kind of environment um and he he talks about a shift from time saved to time well spent 
and this really is what we're talking about here with uh, with spas is, is that experience it's time well spent and if you do if you can have the offer delivered in the right way it's about creating a distinctive experience and it's creating value for the consumer um so i mean you know very much to your point i think chris um within this experience economy it's quite clear that uh, you know spas are no longer an afterthought indeed and now you've already trailed it we're going to be talking much more about personalization um and how you can deliver that um, because it's clear that uh, once consumers are back traveling again they are looking for experiences they're looking for a much more of a kind of personalized approach um, and uh, this is something that's been flagged up recently by Amadeus in a report they did uh, looking at some of the challenges and opportunities of how you adapt to this new reality uh, wherever you are in the hospitality stack um, and indeed uh, you know it's part of a broader conversation about who is going to own the uh, delivery of these uh, this sort of package of, of experiences that uh, consumers are after um, as uh, you know they, they look for more as they travel yeah I think the big thing here um, everybody's getting very excited about is artificial intelligence um, now it's been going on for a long while uh, um, in and within um, particularly distribution in, in, the, in the hotel sector but it, it's really hit the headlines with these large language models piece that's not something we talk about in this this particular argument but in in terms of AI more broadly um, I'd suggest that this is a huge shift that it's a huge technological shift and when you have these huge technological shifts I think there's an iron rule and that iron rule is it takes twice as long as you'd expect to impact but that its impact is going to be twice as profound as you anticipate so um, what we I mean I'd cite here that the internet um, you know, it became a commercial reality a quarter of a century ago, um, but nobody back then thought, you know, uh, half of what we currently have um, in terms of um, internet type businesses and services so certainly even social media really back you know 25 years ago nobody had a clear idea what was going to happen with facebook and tiktok and all of this kind of stuff um it was seen as being a sort of communication tool and uh, going to transform information gathering but it's it, it, it you know it's it but it's been much more profound than that um but it has taken a lot longer you know every you know all of the sort of technology boosters people talk about it you know change at the speed of light well not so much i mean it took more than two decades before more than half of uh, travel bookings were online and we're only just over that threshold now and we've still got quite a way to go to get most of it you know overwhelming bulk of it online um but um so this brings us then to personalization and how ai is going to change this so uh, i have to say personalization to me i you know looked at it and thought well what are we talking about here with personalization and i thought well it's it's little more than you know i say a good concierge you know what you know what does a good concierge have uh, she or he would have a pack of index cards for important customers with their needs and wants on that's what i thought we were talking about with uh, personalization but you know it's a lot more than that um and we've got clear evidence in the market about how valuable personalization can be um and that evidence is airbnb i suggest now 
you know that that's going to be a surprise i think to regular <laughs> listeners of this podcast because we do we do criticize airbnb a lot but this is an area i would not criticize airbnb where i think they have created real meaningful value um and as we talked about spas and wellness i referred to joe pine and his thesis on the experience economy um and um you know this growing sophistication of the consumer um and alongside that the other thing he said was that's that's driving this is digitization um within uh hotels and when you talked about your personalization piece here with amadeus they talk a lot about customer experience um and many other you know sort of digital uh, companies you know they bang on about uh, customer experience cx as, as is put in the jargon but pine makes a distinction between cx and and real distinctive and the delivery of real distinctive experiences um so it's not really about cx it's about the delivery of these distinctive experiences um and this is where you've got to get to um with this now airbnb is brilliant at cx i think its website is probably the best in the business um not surprising it's ceo brian chesky has a background in design and you know that's really what's you know one of the several things that have set them apart um but um you know where what airbnb has done and pine uses airbnb as an example um just to quote him you're looking to get out of the hum humdrum cxness of corporate hotels and into much more personal place into a much more personal place a home with a character um and with a host where sometimes the host is a character um and there's this notion of delivering that meaningful experience um and um you know airbnb has got it and understands that and i think hotels need to get it in that same way um ai is going to help them deliver um this personalization as long as they're focusing on this more meaningful experience and not just the cxness as uh, pine describes it and now let's head on to our five star and nurse star awards for this week and I think we're going to be awarding five stars this week to Tumbling Records. In, you know, yeah, ever uh, more, ever better performance around the globe uh, in hotels. Yes, I mean, I think it's just going, you were just talking about, as we recorded this, um, Chris uh, Delata just came out with some superb numbers. And the, I mean, the, the, the key issue here is it, it's not just, I mean, the Q1 comparators, um, were going to be um, very easy um, because obviously Q1 2022 we still had a COVID or some degree of COVID lockdown um, and you know so but as we got into Q2 the recovery Q2 2022 the recovery really roared back um, the fact that we are still outpacing now still you know significantly increasing above q2 22 is i think super encouraging um and that brings us on to the no stars which is the most discouraging element of where we are right now um and this is the mess around interest rates and the ongoing um farrago that are central banks um we just don't seem to you know be clear where they're heading uh, you know a month ago we thought oh well, they were just about at the top of the rate tightening cycle and now there's all these fears and we've you know people are back to talking about the sort of five and a half and six 
6% they were talking off. Um, this is in terms of the UK and the Bank of England. Um, back when dear old um, Liz Truss was very briefly our Prime Minister, um, we've we've got similar sort of talk now. Um, certainly the, the cost of government borrowing is back to where it was in that difficult autumn period where Liz Truss was uh, Prime Minister of the UK. Um, but there is similar, similar confusion across, you know, whether it's the European Central Bank or whether it's the Federal Reserve in the US, it's not entirely clear where this is going to stop. Um, so we've we've got this, this you know, this no-star piece around that. But, uh, I mean, I have to say that the good news for our sector is that we're thanks to that fantastic top line we're managing to see off a lot of the the more challenging aspects of of where we might otherwise be um you know in the face of these uh, difficult uh debt costing and all that salutary note we'll say goodbye for now